Hello, I'm Jeff Maurer. Welcome to the I Might Be Wrong podcast, the reading-free version of my Substack, which can be found at imightbewrong.substack.com, where you will find this episode and many, many other articles. Folks, we got to start with a bit of bad news today. As you know, I begin every episode with only the hottest in copyright-expired music. I was recently informed that the song we featured on last week's show, which was Drinking Song, parentheses, Drink, 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 by the Victor Mill Chorus, is apparently still under copyright in Japan. And therefore, has been yanked from the airwaves, censored, censored, censored in Japan. You cannot get that episode in Japan. Ladies and gentlemen, I have been Japan canceled. Excuse me for a second. Anyway, I respect their decision. Uh, I am disappointed, but best to move forward. Um, I do apologize to my millions of Japanese fans, all of my English-speaking Japanese fans who love my breakdowns of American politics. I apologize that there was a hole in your RSS feed and therefore also your life last week where that episode should have been. But, like I said, we're moving forward. This week's copyright expired song, which is probably huge in Brunei. Now get hauled into Brunei copyright court at the top of a fucking mountain somewhere. Anyway, this week's song is A New Kind of Man, as sung by Blossom Seeley and the Georgians. So I look forward to being sued for that. The episode this week. <laughs> the episode this week is part three of my Democrats, what are we doing here, series. It's called, Why Do We Call Not Socialism, Socialism? I wanted to write this one because I think it's very strange. I've been talking a lot about this trade-off that seems to be happening on the left, where we are trading what I see as important, substantive things. Things like help with childcare, help with healthcare, investing in clean energy so that we can fight climate change. We are trading those substantive things for silly symbolic things, sort of an attitude that's just broadly unpopular among Americans. And this is another example of that. Using a word that is not popular to describe policies that are popular, even though the word isn't really even technically accurate. So the title is, Why Do We Call Not Socialism Socialism? Subtitle, I'm asking you, John Stewart. If you are looking to become a lot dumber very quickly, I highly recommend John Stewart's recent segment on socialism. And I linked to it on my Substack. I might be wrong.substack.com. You can find it on YouTube. Just search John Stewart Socialism. It'll come up. It's from his new show. It's not from the Daily Show. Watch that segment. It will make you very dumb. And if you're thinking, oh, I would like to be dumber, but I do have plans to have a railroad tie 
fired through my brain like Phineas Gage. Let me tell you, the Jon Stewart segment is going to be faster and more effective. So the segment begins with the statement, quote, hardworking Americans aren't doing that great, end quote. Now, obviously on some level, that's true. There are people struggling to make ends meet and to skip to the end. I think we should do more to help them. So that's obviously broadly true, although Jon Stewart was speaking at virtually the same moment that another not-too-shabby jobs report came out. I would argue that a 4.6 unemployment rate 18 months after a -a once-in-a-century pandemic with trend lines headed generally in the right direction in many indicators, I would say that indicates we're doing something right. I know there are concerns about inflation. I'm not saying everything's rosy. I am saying that hardworking Americans aren't doing that great is an oversimplification of a complex situation. But the, hey, these are hard times narrative, that narrative is just always going to be alive somewhere in the media landscape. There are three media narratives that basically never change no matter what the conditions. And those narratives are, these are hard times, our teens are out of control, and those clowns in Congress should stop bickering. No events will ever change those narratives. Anyway, having established the true, if obvious, fact that some people's finances aren't doing so hot, Stewart then asks, anybody know what might help them? And then he plays a montage of Fox News talking heads mentioning the following things. And I'm going to use the words of the Fox News talking heads when I list these things. These things are single-payer health care, government-paid child care, universal child care, free college, Early education, child education, a guaranteed job, family and medical leave, paid vacations, retirement security, and government healthy food. And then after the montage, John Stewart comes back on and asks, hey, why aren't we doing these things? Okay, so to start with, we are doing some of them. Some people call, quote, child education school. People call that school. That's the word I use. Uh, And we do have that. We have school, public schools. Maybe you've heard of this, exist. We also have a retirement program that deep weeds policy wonks, known as Social Security. Again, maybe you've heard of that if you work for a think tank or something. Uh, We don't have universally free college or a jobs guarantee because those are thoroughly terrible ideas. Single-payer health care could be good or it could be bad depending on the design in my opinion but it is enormously complex and personally i'm positively disposed to the idea but i also wouldn't say gee i can't think of a single reason why we don't do that the thing they call government paid child care and universal child care those are the same thing and i wish they had made it into the build back better bill same with family and medical leave but it looks like they're probably not on the bright side it looks like Early education, universal pre-K, probably will make it in. I confess I have no idea what they're talking about when they say government healthy food. I googled government healthy food to see if it's some program I've never heard of. Google is convinced I am looking for Michelle Obama's Eat Healthy initiative, which is not a food program. That is just nutritional information. Eat Healthy has never mailed a single celery stock or a single yam to a single American, so I don't know what the fuck Lou Dobbs is talking about in that clip or why Jon Stewart considers Lou Dobbs' made-up thing to be essential. But that's the list 
from the Fox News talking heads, quickly endorsed by Jon Stewart. So Stewart's next move, obviously, if you're familiar with this genre, is to play a montage of the same talking heads shrieking, that's socialism! Now, you might recognize this as a classic Obama-era Daily Show move. You make fun of the Fox News morons for yelling about how taxes and spending are socialism, (laughs) which is, you know... It's worth making fun of that. That is an ignorant, ridiculous claim. And in the Obama years, personally, I really enjoyed watching Jon Stewart on The Daily Show rip that stupid argument to pieces. Unfortunately, this time, Jon Stewart skips the that's not socialism rejoinder. In fact, when the Fox montage ends with somebody saying paradise for all, Jon Stewart says, right, which is weird. The segment completely accepts the spending equals socialism paradigm and then proceeds to discuss corporate subsidies on those terms. Now, this is a small thing. I'm using it as an example to talk about the larger thing. It's a small thing, but I do think it is indicative of a larger trend. Just a few years ago, everyone on the left understood the need to correctly point out that Taxes and spending, that's not socialism. Much of the interleft discussion right now involves people like me arguing that we're seeing rapid, bizarre changes that are going to lead us into the electoral wilderness if we don't get our shit together. The rejoinder to my argument is usually, nah, which I guess is a fair point. At any rate, since Jon Stewart very recently was, and maybe still is, an avatar for liberal progressive right think, I'd like to hold up his segment as an indication of just how much things have changed in left-wing discourse. So, after intimating that socialism might be paradise for all, Jon Stewart says, if you've ever listened to AM radio in your uncle's van, you know, socialism, not good, end quote. Well, okay. Yes, you would know that, if you had listened to AM radio. Of course, you would also know that if you had paid any attention whatsoever to the world in the past century. Socialism has a track record that makes transatlantic Zeppelin travel seem wildly successful by comparison. Across the globe, socialism has produced autocratic regimes, famines so severe that history gives them a name, like the Holmador, that's a capital H in Holmador. And to be fair, it has also produced some honestly very good agitprop art. And in the written version of this episode, I have a poster of Lenin, and look, you got to admit, that's a good poster. Scores of dead kulaks aside, that is a really good poster of Lenin. And the weird thing is, 99.9% of the time, Americans who support, quote, socialism, (laughs) they don't actually support socialism, as I just described it. Socialism, here's the dictionary definition, it's also the one I was taught in school, is a way of organizing society in which major industries are owned and controlled by the government. I have never, never personally met anyone in my entire life who thinks that everything should be state-run. I have known scores of socialists, but I have never once heard anyone say, when you buy soap, It should come from the glorious patriotic soap company, and your laptop should be made by the people's centralized state computer works. That is nuts. The idea (laughs) 
that everything could be made by state enterprises. That maybe wasn't completely insane in 1848 when Karl Marx was first writing, back when there were, you know, about 20 products in the world. So if the government made, you know, shoes, bread, buggy whips, and a couple other things, everyone's needs would be met. That maybe kind of worked then. The idea today that anyone now or in the future might pop into the state-owned food shop to buy a glorious snack treat of chocolate and nougat with little cookie things for victory, that is absolutely fucking bonkers. So that is not what most Americans mean when they say socialism. What do they mean? They usually mean Sweden. Many people think that socialism means Swedish-style capitalism with a large social safety net, and that communism is the system used by the old Soviet Union and Cuba and North Korea. That is not actually correct. Communism is meant to be the post-government condition that evolves from socialism. But you know what? Whatever. I understand that the meaning of a word can change. So even though socialism technically means state-run monopolies in America today, it functionally means the government helps you pay for daycare. I get that. What I don't get is why anyone who supports the second thing, as I do, would risk having it confused with the first thing. If my name was Jeffrey Epstein, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y-E-P-S-T-E-E-N, I wouldn't walk around explaining, no, you see, it's Jeffrey with a G, and there are two E's in Steen, like Bruce Springsteen. I would just change my fucking name. There have been many polls, many polls in recent years showing that socialism in the United States is more popular than ever, but it is still not very popular. And in the column, I've posted a poll from Gallup, which shows the trend lines. The trend lines, it's a little bit towards socialism being more popular, especially among young people, millennials and Gen Zers. Among millennials and Gen Zers, socialism now gets a 49% favorable response, whereas capitalism gets 51. So it's it's close. Among millennials and Gen Z, it's close. Among Gen Xers, capitalism gets 61 favorable, socialism 39. Baby boomers, it is 68-32. So, like I said, more popular than ever, but still not at all popular. So given these numbers, I do think that the best argument against fleeing from the socialism label like it's a swarm of bees is that those numbers are bad. They're not that bad. I do agree that they could be worse, but I would make three points. Point number one, positive views of socialism have got to be highly concentrated among people who are going to vote Democratic anyway. That's point number one. Point number two, Republicans hate socialism so much that just the word itself helps energize their base, and I think we saw this in Florida in 2020. Point number three, what the socialist label signals to people matters. When you call yourself a socialist, that signals something to people. It signals who you are, what you stand for, and where you maybe stand on issues that don't really have anything to do with socialism. And of course, we have to realize that the GOP has spent decades trying to make the socialism label stick to Democrats because it's a mark of radicalism. That's why they were trying to make it stick to Obama. In fact, I would argue that the fact that it is a mark of radicalism, that I think is 
a lot of what young people like about it. Unfortunately, that same facet is also what's turning a lot of people off. So let's go back to this sentence. The sentence that John Stewart said. He said, if you've ever listened to AM radio in your uncle's van, you know, socialism, not good. That's what he said. And of course, you know, that by itself isn't wrong. But let's realize that people form opinions of socialism in ways other than AM radio in their uncle's van. Some Americans have views of socialism that were formed by having lived in a socialist country. Now, I looked, I can't find polling on how socialism polls specifically among, say, Cuban Americans or Vietnamese Americans, but anecdotal evidence, along with recent election results, again, those elections in Florida, make it fairly clear that the socialist label is deeply unpopular in those communities. And I don't want to make too much of a single line in a comedy show, but it does seem slightly telling that Stewart and his staff <laughs> seem to imagine that the main way people develop negative views of socialism is through exposure to right-wing propaganda. In fact, let's realize people can form negative views of socialism in other ways, such as having Nicolas Maduro destroy your country's economy so thoroughly that a once middle-class country devolves into a prison-style toilet paper-based economy, which of course did happen. And if that happened to you, you might sour on the word just a tad. So let me put the example that I'm using in John Stewart's segment in a bit of context. This episode is part of a three-part series, all of which are online. In part one of the series, I argued that in present-day American politics, few things are more important than a party's brand, and that the Democratic brand is increasingly associated with a type of highly educated lefty activist that most people hate. That was part one. In part two, I argued that people hate these educated activists because they practice a weird fundamentalist religion that requires constant displays of self-righteousness in public, which rubs people the wrong way and makes us look like asses. And that religion and those displays are deeply foreign to most Americans. Now, in this episode, part three, I'm using John Stewart's acceptance, or at least non-rebuttal, of the spending is socialism paradigm as a small illustrative example of the drift that's happened towards radicalism in left-wing discourse. Socialism might be hip among young, college-educated types who surely don't use the word hip, but I'm not one of them. It's hip. It's deaf. It's rad. How do kids talk? Fuck if I know. It's popular among them, but it is deeply unpopular elsewhere. A decade ago, John Stewart would have responded to Obamacare is socialist with, that's ridiculous. No, it's not. But today he accepts the term, even though the policies being discussed... <laughs> They're very similar. So based on this segment alone, it looks like within the, the problem with John Stewart writer's room, which we do see every episode, which is weird, and it has already logged more screen time than every writer's room in the history of late night combined. You did not want to see my fucking mug on last week tonight. But within that writer's room, the notion that socialism isn't broadly popular and obviously the right way to go, it might not even register. Which, if true, is 
the dictionary definition of being in a bubble. This show-offy kind of socialism is another thing that the activist left does that most people find extremely annoying. It costs a wealthy graduate student nothing to put a red star pin on his backpack and call himself a socialist. But to the extent that that grad student comes to symbolize the left, Democrats are likely to pay in votes. That, in turn, affects policy. Build back better. And as I speak, it has been passed by the House, not yet been passed by the Senate. Build back better would have been a completely different bill if Democrats just had two more Senate seats or a couple more people in the House. The consequences of radical messaging seemed clear to Democrats after their underperformance in 2020. Here's how events were seen by the Democratic members of Congress. This is going to be from the New York Times. This is from the Democratic members of Congress, the people who are currently providing the votes to enact the social spending that will help the working poor. This is from the New York Times. Democrats sagged with voters of color, particularly in Hispanic and Asian American communities, where Republicans' attacks on Democrats as a left-wing party appear to have resonated, denying Mr. Biden a victory in Florida and costing the Democrats congressional seats in that state as well as Texas and California. Indeed, the only House seats Republicans picked up that were not in districts Mr. Trump also carried were in heavily Hispanic or Asian regions. Still the New York Times. On a Democratic conference call this past week, Representative Linda Sanchez, a former member of the House leadership, criticized Democrats' Latino outreach strategy as a dismal failure, according to two people who participated on the call. And Representative Donna Shalala of Florida, who lost her House seat in a heavily Hispanic district, complained on the call that her party did not effectively rebut Republicans' portrayal of Democrats as socialists. Now this is a quote, Defund police, open borders, socialism, it's killing us, end quote, said Representative Vincente Gonzalez, a Democrat from South Texas, who won just over 50% of the vote two years after he nearly captured 60%. Quote, I had to fight to explain all that, end quote. The average white person, Mr. Gonzalez added, may associate socialism with Nordic countries, but to Asian and Hispanic migrants, it recalls despotic left-wing regimes. End quote. Back to me now. It's common in politics to call unpopular things by another name. In my many, many years as a speechwriter <laughs> for the EPA, I always referred to fees, never taxes. We were going to put fees on certain companies. That's how you do it. The embrace of socialism to describe Taxes on the ultra-wealthy combined with social spending its the only case I can think of in which activists are doing the opposite. They are embracing an unpopular term to describe popular policies. The right has lobbed the socialism grenade at the left for decades, and people like Jon Stewart used to rightly bat it away. Now he doesn't bother. And I have to think that that is bad news for the policies he supports. And that's the episode. That is also the end of the Democrats' What Are We Doing Here three-part series. Uh, I guess all the problems have been solved now. Democrats know what to do. I have pointed them in the right direction. 
You are welcome, Democrats. By the way, I hope everyone is really enjoying this copyright-expired music. If you are listening to Blossom Seely and the Georgians sing A New Kind of Man, just be grateful that you are living in America, where we can enjoy this copyright-expired music 97 years after it was recorded, as opposed to Japan, where you still have to pay top dollar for music that was recorded almost 100 years ago. God bless us and our free access to very tinny, crappy, dinky music from 100 years ago. Anyway, thank you for listening. I will be back next week with another episode. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way, if you're listening in America, and I know most people are because this episode will surely have been scrubbed from existence by the despotic regimes overseas who don't enjoy our musical freedom. Happy Thanksgiving. I will be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening, and bye for now. Oh, no.